0: I knew you were going to say this because I hate that scene. That actually was so, that upset me more than anything when I was like nine years old. I was like, don't do this. Oh, you're still doing it. Oh, we're lingering on this shot. And his face, like a moronic fascination, it's like, I can't. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. Oh.
1: Welcome to One Fucking Hour. I am Evan Husney. Joined, we got uh, to my
0: left here, I'm joined by Tom. What's going on, Tom Fitzgerald? Hi, guys. Uh, Greetings from underlit land over here. Uh, (laughs) I know. (laughs) My cheap cheap light broke, so I'm going to be a little, uh, like, looking like there's a... uh, like a light in the back of a car that's light me. You yeah know, you look like, annoying like uh, orange yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it Sorry. looks like
1: yeah you're like an emergency override mode or something uh you know, right happening.
2: yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah red alert over I'll here switch like to
0: a... auxiliary power yeah yeah, yeah. yeah self-destruct I'm auxiliary power. Mode. yeah, like yeah. Self-destruct. T minus uh 59 minutes <laughs> <Yeah. So. laughs> all right
1: yeah. uh we also got over to my right we got marcus herring what's going on marcus welcome back
3: What's up? I'm noticing I'm a little under, like lit from underneath now. I'm going for yeah. that kind of, like spooky vibes, Good. I guess. Yeah. Well, Halloween leftovers. And you're oh. not in the sauna anymore or
0: wherever you were. Before. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, they let me out. For... Yeah. They let that's me out. Cool. Um, <laughs> like, well, this like is one, a... once, one hour a week. Well,
1: I just wanted yeah. to. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say uh, thanks, everybody, for checking out last uh, our last episode, which was our top 10 uh, obscure slash deep cut horror film recommendations. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we got a Crazy. lot of... Guys, we got a lot of amazing feedback on that. I think people want mm-hmm. to see us do more top 10 lists. I had a blast. I thought it was oh. uh, it was fun. And so I think we'll definitely... Uh, do more of those in the future, but guys, I'm yeah. really excited that we are stepping outside of the horror genre. Even though there's some horrific elements in tonight's movie, but uh,
0: it, well, sure. But it feels like I, I've lost complete track uh, of the day, of a pre-horror because it feels yeah. like we did horror before that, like we did Pin and stuff. You pin, know I mean? so I'm maniac, <laughs> yeah, and I'm forgetting like a I know
3: my, my neck beard started to grow in for reals. You yeah. know, we did so it's many horror movies. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, it's nice to step out of that genre and do Mm -hmm. something a little different, getting back to our roots. I
0: was just going to say because our roots being the first episode we did was Deliverance. And what I mean by that is like uh, we didn't have any plan for this show, but we wound up usually saying, let's just like hit up classics, you know, like these big films that a lot of people love and that we love and are enthusiastic about, but it's our take on them. So we would do like, like Deliverance and, uh, yeah, Superfly. You know, gems. so we're back to G- gems and classics. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, course. so we're definitely yeah. hitting up uh, a big title. A yeah,
1: big <laughs> we are returning to the AFI Top 100 list for tonight's
0: movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, T- uh, yeah, as- we're TCM sponsored now, right? <laughs> we're gonna yeah. try to do all 100. <laughs> yeah. yeah, TCM we're- is uh, <laughs> Ben Mankowitz is gonna come on next week. You know, <laughs> we're gonna do uh, yeah. We're going to Peter, do, um, Peter Bogdanovich's uh, corpse will be activity. on next week. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh,
1: we we uh, either will we either teeter between TCM or Tubi. I think we're somewhere teeter. in between. Um, but <laughs> here we go. Uh, tonight's episode is episode forty-seven of the show. We're about to embark on one fucking hour on one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Our first one title, guys. By the way, um, so uh, very excited. Uh, of course, this is the show where we talk about <laughs> one movie for one fucking hour and it's one fool over the cuckoo's nest. So let's... Uh, <laughs> shall we start that clock, That's,
0: guys? Set that three? That's, I don't, I'm not good at math. That's three ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right, I'm starting the clock. Bang. All right, there we go. A um, little okay. bit of backstory. Not much <laughs> is really required for this movie because it's so acclaimed. Um, but just... Why the hell not? 1975's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is Milos Forman's second film in America, guys, and it is an adaptation of Ken Kesey's novel of the same name. And it is about... All right. To avoid going to prison, Randall McMurphy, a criminal played by Jack Nicholson, makes himself seem insane, so he is sent to serve his time in a mental institution instead. He mingles with the patients who, like him, are kept in line by the discipline of head nurse Ratchet, portrayed by Louise Fletcher, also, guys, recent RIP. Another reason I think we are looking at this movie. Um, Gradually, McMurphy stands up against the absurd prison-like rules and leads his fellow inmates with him in his rebellion, but he is punished by electroconvulsive therapy, uh, and after the suicide of a young patient makes him revolt, and he undergoes a lobotomy after having trying to strangle the nurse in one of cinema's darkest, craziest moments ever. So, guys, One (laughs) Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, I saw this movie. I think my dad showed me this movie. I think we rented it on VHS for Mr. Movies. Shout out to Mr. Movies in suburban Minnesota. (laughs) And uh, it's one of the early formative uh, cinematic moments I remember, like seeing a real movie, a movie that – packed yeah, yeah. a huge punch he showed me 2001 he showed me one for the cuckoo nest he showed me little big man another uh, lol oh wow uh, yeah.
0: that's a dusty old boomer title wow <laughs> That is
1: the most boomer film of all time. That's I think. so deep, It kind of is, yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, but this movie, um, I, I actually remember me and my brother watching for the first time when we rented it from Mister Movies, and uh, absolutely blew me away. Um, not only just Jack Nicholson's performance, but the movie, you know, is so uh, charismatic and it's it's fun. Like you were saying before we started recording, the movie is fun up until a point, and then it takes an incredibly dark and Jesus. disturbing. Uh, plunge into the void um, but I was just curious you know maybe Tom do you have any formative memories around seeing this film I mean it's it, it is one of the yeah. kind I, in, in my opinion
0: absolutely I saw it uh, you know it's a very it's, a, it's one of those titles you know that you hear about even before you've seen it and I was a little kid and it was just you know it was it's a very TV movie <laughs> you know what I mean like, like sure. regular classic three channel TV and then like TBS it probably plays every other day that kind of thing you know But I saw it, I think I saw it like on the Sunday night ABC movie. And so it was a little edited and I didn't know about the sucker punch. There's like three sucker punches in a row at the end of the movie. And I didn't, I was pretty young still. And I remember as we were saying earlier, like you were just referencing like, All right, this is uh, you know it's Jack, like it's all led by Jack, and everybody knew Jack Nicholson, and like Jack bad Jack Nicholson impressions on Johnny Carson, you know Jack, you know, and so there's so what I'm saying is you're riding on that, and then it's just like like um, boom bloody suicide, boom very harsh depiction of shock therapy, boom almost strangled to death in a very realistic manner, and then and then the the I guess a positive note is you know uh, Chief winds up you know busting out in that gorgeous beautiful ending that's a that's an ending that is to be envied. so it anyway is. i'm just saying that it, it, it i was kind of like it was kind of making sense as like this is a pretty fun jack nicholson movie and then it like punched me in the stomach and then i've seen it like a million times i never saw it in a theater but uh yeah, yeah. tv helps and it feels like you just it's one of those movies too and then i'll shut up it's just like um it feels like even if you haven't seen it you have because it's like you know, like this scene happens and that scene happens. It's like constructed to exist in this cloud of um, public uh, con- consciousness. Do you know what I mean? Sure. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's, it's definitely like really woven in. It's woven into the fabric of American society now. And it's funny. You said you saw it with your dad. I, I feel like I must have seen it with my dad, too. It's like at the you know uh, triumvirate of uh, c- cuckoo's nest. Cool Ham Luke and Clockwork Orange, you know, and uh, (laughs) I think, (laughs) but uh, it's hard for me to really remember the first time I saw it. I definitely saw it on TV too, saw it multiple times growing up and, you know, it's tropes, the tropes that it introduced into the film lexicon and TV show lexicon are just everywhere. You know, like you said, you feel like, you feel like, you know, you almost, even if you've never seen it, you know. Maybe The Simpsons is referencing it right. here or something. You know? Exactly, like all those tropes that the calming music in the background, the uh, you know, the rebel who's liberating. You know, actually, it's funny because Colham Luke is like that too, like a rebel getting. I was just thinking that. Yeah, um,
0: again, um, they're both very boomer um, <laughs> heroes, and, not, and I didn't yeah. want to be like boomer. Like I'm not using it in a pejorative, but just like it is sort of like um, boomer icons of like a male rebel you know uh well you know, all the way from, starting from the book yeah you know, early that's 60s. pretty i mean yeah i mean it's interesting
3: like totally and what's fascinating about that is they don't succeed you know as heroes they fail but they've got the moral victory you know like there's mm-hmm. like a moral victory that they're fighting that that mm-hmm. costs their lives or whatever but they write like an easy so is, writer that's a really interesting psychology you know like why not win but they're like no they really love it when their heroes fail <laughs> yeah. well like easy writer
0: they're blown yeah. away yeah you know
1: if I can say, because you know, obviously, you know, Jack, as you were saying, um, with this movie, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> such a big part of it, and it's it, this is kind of like an obvious, you know, rhetorical question, you know, but it's like when you really think about this movie and the material of this movie, it's it, I can't think of another human being on the planet, another major classic actor who could have inhabited yeah. the role of RP McMurphy like uh to to a degree that he is so charismatic in this movie i mean just imagine yeah. like like his performance what he's exuding getting all of these you know, uh, this incredible supporting cast, which we're going to talk about, but all the guys who are the inmates getting them riled up enough and, and being so charismatic and everyone being, it's really just amazing. Raise your
0: hand chief.
1: Yeah. yeah. And you, and you like take it for granted. I'm just going to say, you just take it for granted that like, it's just Jack. It was Jack. It's Jack, you know, but is there really anybody
0: else on the face of the planet who could have done that? I have a thought experiment uh, based on the reality you know the life of this thing is a novel and then it was a play right mm-hmm. and then it was the movie mm-hmm. so how about th- these apples Do you like <laughs> apples I is love them. uh leonard if i'm not mistaken so, you know maybe i'm wrong but i think i'm right is leonard nimoy played mcmurphy
2: <laughs> in, in a, thea- in a no. theater frame?
0: is that <laughs> no, true? Really? No, just google it right now like you use All the right. internet machine evan all right, I'll do like it. A, keep talking. Well, I'm you. almost certain because I because I have a Leonard Nimoy biography, autobiography, and there's a still of him like and he's like McMurphy, like with the, Shut the, up. with the cap. Yeah, look. Are you googling it? So anyway, <laughs> what I'm my point really is really trying. While you're to. <laughs> up. But while while you're looking it up, what I'm saying is there you go. I mean, we can't see it because it was a play. I guess they didn't film it or anything. But um, others have done McMurphy. Is maybe all I'm saying.
3: Holy right. shit! It, it does look like that was that's true, yeah. And there's there may be yeah. there's okay. some stills of it too, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, there no, <laughs> is no. It is autobiography. It's, it's there's there.
3: stills from it, you know, <laughs> oh, of him like, yeah. in character with <laughs> <laughs> the He's got a fucking. He's got he's got a beard like mine. <laughs> so, oh yeah. my! He's got kind God. of a
0: uh, Christopher Street like leather cap. Yeah, he looks it's like weird. cruising. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of weird. Cruising. So yeah. so yeah. anyway. I did. Happen. I mean, but there are other people
3: up for the role too, right? Like, um, like, didn't Kirk Douglas, like think he was going to play it at some point. Too? Well, can like, I? Like, yeah, can um, I tag
1: in there? Is, is this a good segue yes, to please. getting to the origin story of this film before yeah, we sure. bask in its? Uh, let's start from amazing... the beginning more or like. less. <clears throat> let's start. Let's start from the beginning, and then we'll get into some of the great scenes and the and of course the. We'll spend a lot of time on the supporting cast.
0: That's what I'm really here to talk about. I know I, um, there's someone I really want to mention. So oh, um, we will. We got do the cast.
1: Yeah. We will. Let's do a little background because it is fascinating. Okay. So, what's interesting is that, yeah, this movie as a film starts ground zero with Kirk Douglas. Okay. So, he acquired the rights to the novel. Back in galley form, so before it was even actually published, he got a galley of this book, and uh, back in wow. the '60s, and wanted to turn it like, into
0: like no like '62 or something.
1: '62, yeah. Like so, before imagine
0: the '60s really even happened. Wow. So
1: so 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 imagine like he's coming off of what Spartacus and like wants to you yeah. know do that make this movie, um, <laughs> wow. that's wild. That's wild. So so before, he was young
0: enough to have gotten away with it by like totally 1963.
1: Totally. And so his dream for it was to have it sort of transposed into a play and then he would portray R.P. McMurphy and, and it would be a theatrical play. Then the play would be adapted uh, to a film. That was the long sort of thing. But he ran into all these roadblocks uh, from all the studios because they thought it was too depressing. You know, you didn't really see a movie like that. Like a movie like One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest in 1962 yeah. or 3. Or yeah, and It's like still
0: that. so early. It's still just the early 60s and Hollywood didn't touch anything that resembled that. That's yeah, like, not surprised. It's,
1: so here's where things get a little coincidental. That's pretty some weird movie, like weird magic in the universe kind of thing happens here. Where so Kirk saw a Milos Forman film back then. Okay, so probably an early Milos Forman film. Not exactly sure which one in the early '60s, but um, he saw the movie. He thought he thought that Milos should be a good director for the film, um, and so he wow. sent the book out to Milos, but it got confiscated at the Czech border. Okay, so he never got it. He just never got it. Oh, what? Yeah, and, so, and then, so then that was it. They never thought about it for six to seven years. And so then, you know, six to seven years go by, Kirk Douglas is unable to get the movie off the ground, right? And so he decides he is going to sell the property. He's going to sell it off to somebody else. Maybe they can have better luck with it. But his son, of course, Michael Douglas... Uh, shout out to Michael Douglas, a star of our one fucking hour on disclosure. If you haven't uh, that's right. seen that's that, he's, he's most famous for disclosure. that's what he's known yeah. for. He's, he's the disclosure guy. Everybody. Check that yeah. out in the archives. Um, yeah. But anyway, six to seven years later, Michael Douglas said, "Hey, Dad, give me one more chance with the movie." And so, um, so, so he he had, and so he was going to lead the charge to get it financed. Michael Douglas, and so he randomly sees milo's foreman's fireman's ball because it had come out around that time and then he thought milo should be a good director for the movie so he sent a copy of the of the script to milo's not knowing that his dad wanted milo's originally so yeah. this was just like one of these wow. things that was meant to be
0: okay they both independently thought of foreman that's cray isn't that wow. insane
3: so that's weird. A, well that has to be related that that's got to be related right i mean the douglases hmm. they probably talked
1: no, this is a this is a. Can, Milos I, can I mention
3: Milos, this
0: about the... Milos Foreman?
3: <laughs> sure, he was he was like a popular you know art house guy back then, right? Like, of, I don't know about in sixty two. Fireman's though. Ball was like a kind of a hit, though. Yeah,
1: not, it is not all... in sixty two though. When like because because th- that's what I'm saying. Kirk saw thought saw a movie in sixty two. Thought he'd be a good. He saw
0: an for early him. Foreman, yeah. And not yeah. Fireman's Ball, right?
3: Yeah, that's like what we're saying here. This is this is uh, weird. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. that's weird. I just a uh, quick aside that like this is another movie with that Michael Douglas is involved in, where the villain is like a psychotic woman that's like relentlessly trying to <laughs> destroy your life, right? Uh, like that was Disclosure, Basic Instinct, and uh, uh, Fatal Attraction, the other one. Anyway, Fatal Attraction, Fatal Attraction, yeah. right? Yes. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. That there's that is that is a that.
1: there's a there, there's a theme there. Um, so. Anyway, and then we should talk a little bit about Ken Kesey, who is the author of the source material. because um, yeah. this is really interesting, too. I mean, this is uh, his background, uh, you know, he he worked shifts in a mental hospital. so he he was working, you know, there. and that's where the a lot of the inspiration from this came. And then, Allegedly, according to him, uh, he participated in MK Ultra. I don't know if you guys know that, um, okay. which of course is the that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is the CIA program that you know tested a wide range of hallucinogens and uh, and amphetamines and 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 it's around that time when he was taking all these drugs, testing all these crazy ass drugs. He was also working as an orderly. Um, in the psychiatric hospital. And that's where kind of the idea for this came uh, for for the story. And he saw how patients were being treated. He saw that, you know, he saw straight jackets, he saw the electroshock therapy and he's like, what the fuck? Why are we treating people like this? You know, what, what, why is this like prison conditions, you know? And uh, he was like, these people aren't sick. Like they just need care and they need support. And so that was, so all of those kind of swirling inspirations is what kind of gave him, you know the idea to sort of put right. this book together however well, so,
0: go ahead yeah yeah well no I was just going to say uh Kesey's an interesting you know just taking a step back like this is one of those films like taxi driver where there's such a force of talent that's um yeah. you know, uh, colliding Sorling. kind of yeah. yeah yeah together so it's like like number 1 Ken Kesey that's a big deal i've actually i have read the book i don't read a lot of books but i have read cuckoo's nest it's fantastic. I mean, duh. But I'm just saying, like, it is well worth reading. Because what I'm saying is, it's 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 like a novel, and it's not really like a play. Like he really knows how to write, and it gets quite internal. It's it's a much more internal experience uh, than, of course, the very stage playish film and and play. But what I'm saying is, um, so Keatsy's a powerhouse, and then you meet Foreman who's on his second us film like you said and before that this was t- uh taking off oh, which is amazing and we should to. do that incredible stuff, yeah. we definitely amazing, like, love like to like dry to. comedy it's just so great and it's great to have uh like a foreigner looking at the United States and that's happening again with Cuckoo's Nest but then of course like Absolutely. we say, here's Jack you know so but but the, I guess what I'm saying is let's spend a minute on Keezy here is my point and um one thing that's colored my feeling about the film is i happened to catch on the david letterman show when i'd stay up too late as a kid and watch it and keesey was on one night and david letterman said uh what'd you think of the movie you know they they made your book a movie and he said what everybody asked me that no i haven't seen it and i won't see it i'm gonna die not seeing it and he says and i said i swear to god i will never see your cheesy piece of stuff in my life
3: i swear (laughs) to god i won't see it and so when it opened, it premiered in my hometown. And Ooh. They, <laughs> they called, and all the press wanted me down there to see it. I said, that's like calling and saying, hey, uh, the Hells Angels are raping your daughter in the parking lot. Would you like to watch?
0: <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, my, oh, my. Uh, but... That is, oh, my that. we are going to call that up. That's on YouTube right now, and I just rewatched it. And I remember that wow. as a kid, and I thought, wow, I really like and respect this guy, and I read the book around that time, and I was like, well, I'm on Team Keezy. You know what I mean? Like, So I've had a problem with this film somewhat. But anyway, Keezy's a real character. And total side note, this book was a huge hit, and it financed the further bus and the whole Mary Prankster movement that is depicted in... Um, What's it called? Like uh, the electric Kool-Aid acid test. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's right. a huge. And I've read that book, too. And so yeah. Ken Kesey and his friends in the early to mid-60s, all financed by the Cuckoo's Nest novel success, started hippies. The whole yeah. hippie thing. Yeah. Acids, psychedelic yeah. music, raga, strobe lights, happenings. You Grateful know. Dead, tie-dye t-shirts. Right. All oh, The Unreal. whole thing. The whole hippie thing is ken kesey's uh you know he's the conductor of this crazy orchestra called the Merry Pictures. so that's just a strange tidbit you know so he's a powerhouse and the book is very special uh and so um i'm not surprised that someone wanted to make a film of it but uh i guess and i'll shut up it's just i feel like it does feel a little caged in in the form of a play and and, and, a, and a uh and, and, a, and a movie and maybe the last thing i'll say here is um it, sometimes when I was reading the book, I thought, who would ever make, could you make a film of what this book is doing? So. Well, can I
1: clarify greater. for the folks at very home? Different. Yeah, just for the folks at home who may be curious about if they haven't read the book. The book is very different in, in, in that, well, yes, you said it's very literary. It does get pretty psychedelic. And it does get pretty does. impressionistic too. Dreamy, I mean, yeah. Very, because, because you're because, but but you're you're not inside the mind of I think you're not inside the mind of RP McMurphy. You're inside the mind of a, a schizophrenic Native American character. That's that's I, narrator, I think the, narrator, that's yeah. the that's yeah. the the main character of, of the book, which is different, obviously, in right. the movie. And it's Chief. perfect for literature, yeah, Chief, because everything's very heightened. I said impressionistic, hallucinogenic, and it just wouldn't that wouldn't translate really. No, no at that time on screen or any time really so i think no. that might be a one of the main It'd Be more like david
0: attention. lynch actually yeah. right if you were to do the novel adhering to the novel the tone it like would feel hit. like a david lynch movie yeah like a racer hit. Yeah, yeah exactly so yeah. Right. anyway it's interesting yeah. and that's why he refused to see it cuz he felt like it was an assault yeah. on this poetic you know work of of uh, art that he made right and i you understand mean. his point
1: exactly so, that's totally. kind of the difference there. Um, okay. So, one of the... Just r- real quick, just to get through some of the backstory stuff. Um, one of the things that's uh, just super fascinating to me is the car- is the real-life person, Dr. Brooks. Okay. So, Dr. Brooks was the real-life... Um, I guess... I don't know what you call him, but he was the main doctor that was that was at the head of the hospital that they used as a location in the film. Okay. Milos likes to work in practical locations and many hospitals turned him down to shoot this film in because of the way that it was going to portray not only the staff, but also patients and just the whole sort of process.
0: This is Oregon, right?
1: Yes, it was shot in Oregon. So there was one hospital in Oregon run by this Dr. Brooks who it was I think outside of Salem Oregon or around there or something. He welcomed them in because and this is amazing he was quite progressive I I, I hear he's also in the film he plays the oh. doctor he plays the doctor that Get uh, out of here. yeah no no he plays the non actor he plays the doctor that Jack Nicholson talks to when he first arrives when he says like
0: he's like uh, how much was that trout? Yeah, you
1: know exactly that's
0: jack's talking oh wow okay. exactly
1: so that's mr that's dr brooks so dr brooks um but he you know as i said very progressive he welcomed them in because he thought hollywood coming to the hospital could be extremely therapeutic for the patients okay and um and he also uh, wanted to serve as the tech supervisor or tech advisor on the film. And he actually looked over the entire script, changed dialogue to reflect oh. um, real terminology, you know, helping the medical
0: professionals sound more real and lifelike and more accurate. And Can I like ask that. a question? Yeah. Um, just because this is pinpointing exactly what you're getting at, um, I've been confused over the years. Like when I first saw it, when is it set? Oh. Early '60s, right?
1: I actually like not, I don't, that probably makes sense. Yeah, that that makes sense. Because to me. I'm so, not sure though. I
0: guess so. I guess what I'm saying is, that like terminology changes obviously. So it's not a reflection of 1975 psychiatric hospitals, but like 1962. I'm assuming, right? And I'm so assuming. he would have enough, and yeah. he would have enough understanding by I'm sure decades of being in the institution of yes. going like this is a reflection of like because things changed from 62 to 75 somewhat at least I'm sure. So he probably had some idea to, um, you know, to yeah. have a more antiquated depiction. Yeah,
3: I mean, the the pants aren't aren't bell bottoms, right? So it's probably not the seventies. To your point, you know.
1: Yeah, and he's. But also, very... I mean,
3: go ahead. I'll oh, go
1: ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say sorry. There's a delay in our recording, so it's always like you go, you go, you go. Um, <laughs> the I, I was just gonna say that like he 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 was. Um, you know, Dr. Brooks, he, as Dr. Brooks, was sensitive to, you know, uh, the the depiction of these older, antiquated, more, you know, uh, styles of, quote-unquote, you know, treatment, you know, for these uh, patients, these types of patients. So um, he, he was, like, one of the reasons he, he, um, he actually allowed it to happen is because he's like, like, at first he was like, I don't know if I want to be a part of this because it's going to show those awful sides of what this... Sort of you know processes like, but he's like, well, it's not a documentary. This is a you know narrative scripted film. So when once he adjusted that sort of mindset towards what they were about to do, he could get he could because it wasn't going to be a negative reflection on what they're doing in Salem, Oregon. You know, um, but if I can, gentlemen,
0: it looks pretty negative to me though. It looks like a real indictment of in the institution. No, no, it does, but
1: not like you know. But he was like, it's not a documentary. Them coming in here documenting what ah, I do. It's so being. You protective
0: know. of the specific location okay
1: yeah yeah exactly um but this is the best part of this okay and i don't know if you know about this but one of the things he negotiated dr brooks negotiated with the producers of the film was that it was very important um to him uh that he uh include the patients the real patients mm-hmm. at his real hospital in as many areas of the filmmaking process as possible so he didn't so oh, behind
0: and in front of the camera
1: behind behind uh, the camera mostly behind the camera working in jobs in the electrical department oh, catering shoot. everything so the real patients of the hospital are working to make this movie happen which has Dude. Like pros they're and making cons. this
0: like Jack Nicholson's Jello yeah, <laughs> in the background. Shit. That's
3: insane. Yeah, so, wow. so that's crazy.
0: Yeah,
1: so it's it's amazing. And get this, guys: eighty-five patients worked on this movie. Real patients worked on this film. Oh, idea. Yeah, um, as gaffers, electricians, caterers, um, wow. and and it's amazing because uh, Milos actually reflects on this and um, said that at the beginning of production, he remembers this one guy. this one patient there who couldn't put three words together at the start of the production. But by the end of the whole process, he was ordering people around and like, you know, getting really,
0: really into
1: it. There should have been
0: a documentary about the making. It would have been amazing. Uh, You know? Yeah.
1: Amazing. So, so that to me just really stood out as like a holy shit, you know, sort of thing with this, with this film. Um, And, uh, but, What they learned as they were doing this is they learned that a lot of the patients, this is the con side of it, a lot of the patients there were actually criminally insane. Okay. Oh, so, uh... so. So uh, they later discovered that the guy who's the most famous arsonist in all of Oregon, they gave the job in the electrical department, wiping down lamps with cans of kerosene and things like that. Of course, um, there was also one guy who managed to who, who tried to escape by climbing through a window, and he fell and injured himself. So it was pretty, you know, "quote unquote" crazy uh, on set, you know, with all of the stuff going on. But it's just fascinating. Well, it's the it's a 70s. fascinating.
0: It's the 70s. Wow! Yeah, part of the well, history of Can I? Not to bog down on maybe another tangent here, but just uh, one of the revelations I had when I first saw the film. One of the upsetting moments when I saw this film, mind blowers, was that revelation when uh, you know Nicholson is looking around and he's realizing, like I was, I didn't know and he didn't know that everyone here is voluntarily, oh. you know, there. Now look,
3: I'm I'm voluntary here. See, I'm not committed. I don't have to stay here. I mean, I can go home anytime I want.
0: You can go home anytime you want. And uh, except him and like a couple, maybe like Michael Barron. <laughs> so, no, and so I was blown away. So it's funny that you would say that where a guy is quote unquote escaping because they're all, I mean, I don't know if it, I, what I'm saying is in the film, it's depicting them as self admitted, but maybe that's not so much the case in the actual institution. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, I'm that? not sure. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But isn't that a mind blower? Just a little tangent, like uh, yeah, that always gets me that because uh, you get a sinking feeling because you, the viewer, and Jack, when you first seeing it, are just assuming like, well, this guy, like, uh, they're not going to get him, like, uh, you know, a hundred miles from a town, like, th- are you kidding me? You know, but they're like, no, I am fucked up, and this is, I really like being here. It's like, it's, it's a horrifying. It's maybe the most It's amazing. Movie. Right? Is it just me? It's so great. Oh, it's
3: so great. Yeah. And it's also his realization that he sort of self owned himself by, like, he was trying to get out of prison. He's trying to get a cushy break from prison, but he ended up, like, basically signing himself up to stay in this mental institution forever, you know, like, such a great, it's a double realization that, and everybody there who he thinks are crazy or what, you know, who he thinks, whatever, that they're all, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Voluntary.
0: It's nuts. I I I don't know. That always got me because, um, well, he has a big uh, reaction to it and it's just like, uh, I think it's one of the, um, I think it's one of the key moments in the film of what the film's trying to say and do. You know what I mean? Because it's not, it makes it much more complicated a depiction and it's more of like a, a, it has a broader scope about like general insanity and mental illness in society. And and it's not Mm -hmm. isolating like, well, these hundred people are, Lock them up, throw away the key. They're bananas. It's just like, no, they're like deeply wounded. They have a lot of mental problems. They need a lot of therapy. And then you can extrapolate that and go, well, they're basically just representations of society in general and not so much these huge outlier, you know, maniacs. Right, you guys, know what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, yeah. Of- I mean, he's trying to like, even though he's he sees them as being
3: more insane than him, but also because he sees them as having real more real problems than he does because he's faking it, right? Yes. He's Faking being crazy. Right. And but the, um and but he's also sees them as real people that he sees them as people, whereas the institution sees them as like insane or whatever right so yeah but his the realization there is that like even though he sees himself as the most sane one that he has just been committed to the hospital for the for the insane so yeah that yeah it's is a crazy moment I, well, there's something about the authenticity yeah. that just to, just to the point of the authenticity of the film i'm not like it is a great movie and a great play and i was sort of just looking into like uh, you know like other people's reactions like ebert's reaction to it specifically you know he's going to come up i vote but no you know, one of his
0: Go. <laughs> he have did like it. every episode he did
3: like it um but he had some problems with it and i think one of them was just that you know that the um the the, the issues of insanity and mental hospitals that, that that is a part of the film but it's it's so reduced you know and that there there is a lot of like um the, the idea that they could just solve everyone's problems with therapy and pills it's just it's it's very reduced to the bare minimum and all the people's all the characterizations are reduced to like a minimum, almost like a stock character or something. That's a good thing for a, for a play or for a film, yeah. you know, for you to feel the the emotion. But it, it makes it, he says it's so cartoonish in a way that it makes it less about like a mental institution, like properly, you know, more less of a criticism about prisons and institutions, even though that's part of it. And more of yeah. a, a, a criticism of like, a rebel in society, you know, yeah, or that, that's really what, more what it's about right. than like, well, that's I what I was saying. That was interesting. Yeah.
0: I agree with him in a way. It's like, uh, in the sense that, uh, I don't think this film is, a, you know, there's expose muck raking films, like the, the completely forgotten brew Baker with Robert Redford, Robert Redford, you know, like a big Hollywood liberal, like these kind of guys make these films that you're talking about, Marcus, like that Ebert was where it's like, this is a scandal, you know, the China syndrome or something, you know, or like, Silk it. It. yeah. Right. And like, those are about like, we got to stop the corruption and stop the X, Y, Z stuff. And like, this is not that this is a metaphorical uh, book film play about um, like what I was just saying before, where it's like, it's not about the setting. It's not about mental patients. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big um, abstract representation of life as uh, yeah. uh, on earth in, in general. And that there's mm -hmm. these people who are like medicating themselves uh and and uh and wallowing in their problems and being controlled by overseers you know on and on and on and have regular lives people who have regular lives are as damaged often as these patients Mm -hmm. Is what i'm trying to say but then there's this guy and this is the baby boomer hero theory he's like the first hippie kind of mcmurphy and that's why it really resonated with young readers of like jack kerouac and stuff where he's mm-hmm. like, um, "Hey man, what if you go the other direction?" You know, and it's a little, it's a little corny <laughs> for me because we've lived through so much of this, but it was very refreshing for, again, literally baby boomers in a very conformist '50s coming out and going, "Hey man, what if we walk backwards and against traffic?" You know, and like just in a general sense. So it's not really about the mental health institutions. I gotta tell you, right? right. What do you guys think? Oh, okay.
3: Well, I Art. just wanted to quickly about the beat thing. This, the Cassidy, you know, he was like, Kesey was friends with you Neil know, Cassidy yeah, and stuff. Right. He did view himself as like a conduit between the beat generation and like. the hippie generation he literally was that but it's like instead of being like someone that like you know withdraws from society it's like why don't you put this like freak this like rebel in society to mess things up let's stir the pot you know let's take the the beat out of obscurity and drop them into society and see how that stirs things up and that could be a real drop the mcmurphy
0: drop the mcmurphy icon into a conformist mentally ill quietly desperately dying inside society and that's yeah. One yes. for the purpose, you
1: know? Yeah. I, I. I. It's okay. I, I. just wanted to respond to kind of what you guys were. Yeah. All of this. Um, you know, uh, with because w- where like you you see sort of an honest depiction of a mental institution for the criminally insane. You know, like with titty cut follies or something. This is not that at all. Mm-hmm. You know. Ooh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not it's not that. Right. This is. This, even in in, in Milos's words, you know, is a story, yes, about a rebel, uh, a hero who questions authority, a a power, and he becomes that hero. He becomes that that sort of, you know, folklore hero, but then Mm. in the process of doing what he is, he's the one that becomes the nut, you know? and 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 mm-hmm. or vice versa you know and that's sort of what he's examining with this is like you know the 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 insanity or the craziness of these of people like RP McMurphy who then you know cross over into the other side you know and it's yeah, more of a I, more totally, of an allegory totally more of a met, metaphorical allegory than it is a depiction of you know the you know mental institutions of America even though there's themes of that in the film you know
0: yeah yeah absolutely well, interesting your point though like uh or what foreman was saying which is like like the, the 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 anti-hero what we're saying here mcmurphy he's not doing so great before the institution but then this his shock a situation that he's in is yeah. also kind of like mutated him and he's maybe gone too far over the edge of being like an outlier and like bucking the system and all that stuff and that can damage that person too very yeah. interesting yeah there's a lot yeah. going on
1: well, he tries to cheat the system and then he pays for it, you know, like in in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, one thing, if we can, unless, Marcus, you want to tag in on the end of that, put a bow on that for us?
3: Uh, oh, just, yeah, just that. Uh, well, I was wondering about, you mentioned Titty Cup Follies, and I was wondering if you're, with your sort of, the sort of stories about palace intrigue and the making of, if you were going to touch on Haskell Wexler and like, and the sort of drama <laughs> that yeah. around that. Did you read into that at all? I did. Because it, yeah. it does. It does connect with Titty Cut Follies, you know, like just oh. to, maybe this is a good segue. But like his, what he was saying was because he. You know, he got fired from the movie right and he has a lot he has a whole he finally came out and started talking about it and stuff he's and, the um, cinematographer oh, we should
1: say for the audience uh haskell yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. yeah yeah he he was uh, on board in the film as the cinematographer very famous iconic cinematographer and filmmaker yeah. and, and and he was oh, the yeah. cinematographer but was excused and fired by michael douglas uh <laughs> off this movie but go on marcus <laughs>
3: He basically shot the whole thing except for two minutes, he says, you know. And then Bill Butler, who's also an acclaimed cinematographer, did like Jaws, you know, in Greece, uh, stepped in. And they both had the Academy Award for it. But what he was saying was that, um, you know, that he he clashed early on with Milos, who was like – who he thought had the wrong take on it, right? He was saying oh. that Milos was actually showing the crew titty-cut follies. And so in and the, the first few days oh. of shooting that it was a lot heavier – and look and like more depicted more like 19th century style mental institutions right. and stuff. And that there was a big clash. Evan, do you want to, I don't know I don't want to steal If you if you read into this too, but he was saying that he, he clashed with the, um, that Milos had like a showdown with the production designer on set. Like that was like, like, he was like, are you really going to make this, like do this the wrong way? You know? And they had this big argument in front of the crew and stuff. And that sort of caused like a rift with um, a problem with Milosh, like in the rest of the crew, that they lost kind of faith in him in the middle of, the, of this production. Yeah, and yeah. So this is from Haskell, who's a little butthurt hurt about being fired from the movie, right. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I all I know is Milosh's side, which you know he 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 sums up in a very Milosh sort of way, where he basically said, you know, a uh, cinematographer's ideal movie. Is to make a movie without actors, you know, and it's and there's no actors, Uh-oh. you know, and then <laughs> yeah. and then a now, this is the then, man
0: who made Man on the Moon, by the way. Okay, hang on. So, <laughs> I, I Milos has some, I, some I, pluses and some minuses. So. I got to get the other side of his yeah. quote though,
1: and then he goes, uh, oh, but sorry. but for a director, the the uh you know the 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 best way to make a film is without a camera, you know, it's just with the actors, you know. So he basically. <clears throat> says they can never truly be happy. And um, and right. uh, but a lot of other people basically said that uh, Milos was, you know, very... He was early on in his career and he wasn't as experienced in dealing with, you know, an American cinematographer, making films more mm-hmm. of a Hollywood, Hollywood sort of way and... You know yeah. he was you know doing things his own way and I mean if you look at taking off it's much more obtuse than one flew the well, cuckoos well, nest. Well
0: that's is. not that's not a Hollywood movie you know that's no. a weird independent film. So yeah. you, that's a good point. I never thought of that. Yeah. That's his yeah. first Hollywood film uh, yes. performance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cuckoos nest. That's interesting. And so of course he would. Haskell Wexler
3: was a director too. You know so like he was yeah. like um, right. You a know I, I heads, think yeah. that they would that there was some like speculation early on that that might happen that he, and then he was saying that he actually didn't have faith in him because he thought that a foreigner wouldn't have wouldn't understand the intricacies of America which I think is wrong you know but but um, um we've we dealt with that,
0: that with Struysik and uh, Herzog mm-hmm.
3: yep. right sometimes it's nice you know? to have that I mean it often yeah. is nice to have the the yeah. perspective the people that understand us better than we understand ourselves oh, you know? I love it
0: I love foreign <laughs> depictions of, of the United States very always interesting always so interesting. funny you know now, you know, we've been talking at this time about, like, um, uh, the institution, the day-to-day, and these rooms full of mentally ill patients. Now, maybe let's start fleshing out, uh, you know, the character actors who play these indelible characters, the people who aren't Jack, you know, who dominates the film, Jack, and then, you know, uh, of course, Ratchet, the incredible cast... It's my favorite players. part let's, about the movie. Let's it's do Let's f- go through it.
1: My my favorite part about the movie is the is the fact that this is this this is literally an all star character actor, uh, yeah. movie, and and that's what endures with me so much. You know, thirty years later, or whatever, seeing oh, it yeah. now is just Martini. That, you know, Mr. Fucking Martini. Okay, let me just tell you about Mr. Martini. It's uh, the all
3: before they were all star, all star cast. You know, yes, I love those yeah. type. Yeah. Yes, there were, a yes. lot of them.
0: Were this got them, uh, you know, on the radar of Hollywood, and they they had careers. It, yeah. even Michael Berryman, You know, okay, you want to start <laughs> like, there, so go ahead. I
3: do. I'm going to start Michael Berryman and Vincent Scavelli in the same movie. Scavelli yeah. was the
0: for everyone. He's the teacher in Fast Times. You know, yeah, and uh, he has the droopy very, face, yeah, yeah, he's droopy, very incredibly tall, droopy face guy. But uh, okay, well, all right, well, whatever, we'll start with Michael Berryman. And I want to start because <laughs> his existence, his mere presence standing, is a joke, it, like a joke plays off it because it's when Jack's going around saying, like, raise your hand for the World Series, and he just looks at Michael Berryman, who's just staring into the air, and just goes. <laughs> I'm not even getting, like, you know, he doesn't even say anything. Jack's just like, ah, that's the best.
2: No. That's, You're like,
0: not that guy. And it's like, classic. holy shit. And when I first saw it as a kid, I was like, yeah, who is that guy like? And I thought, when I saw Berryman for the first time, I thought, oh, well, they got someone who's, you know, uh, part of the institution. He's That's not an actor. But then he's fucking in Hills Have Eyes, you know, like a year later, and he's a famous uh, character actor. Michael fucking Berryman is in this film, and his presence is I don't know, I'll just say it's indelible. It's his first like, big role, you know. He's,
1: he's like <laughs> chained <laughs> up. He's like chained up to that like that that wall. Like he's almost like crucified yeah, yeah. on that wall when they first see him.
3: That, yeah. There's I'm a sorry. weird like uh deleted scene where he's chained up there and he's like he's peeing. Yeah, and um Whoa. and Jack's like get him off the wall. I'm like I don't think I dreamed it. <laughs> but I swear I, I think got there, to see that I hope scene you I hope he's like he's chained up yeah, to the wall in a Christ pose. And he's peeing. And Jack's like,
0: you know, get to the bathroom or whatever. Like, Look him. Dinner, That's t-ratch. very crazy.
2: <laughs> All right, I'm so on Michael
0: So uh, Michael yeah. Berryman, in uh, two seconds, I, I'll indulge this, sorry, is uh, I saw a QA and a with Berryman years ago, and he was saying that uh, he almost had a brush with Hollywood three years before because he said that um, he was waiting in line to get ice cream at Venice Beach. You know, Michael Berryman getting some ice cream. And uh, Steven Spielberg walks by and goes, excuse me you should get an agent you should be in the pictures you know because he thought he was a striking <laughs> he cut a striking figure it's michael berryman you know and i don't think very many even considered being in hollywood he was just like i'm a guy i got this you know affliction what are you going to do and uh and so he said that was the first time he he had hollywood knocking on his door and uh it indirectly led maybe I, to cuckoo's nest i think because it got him thinking mm. his encounter with we got him thinking like maybe I should be in the pictures. So number one on our list. Michael Michael Berryman. Bearman. Michael
3: Berryman.
1: Yeah. And and I wanna just contextualize too that this before we get into the other character actors, this movie does a tremendous job just to talk about one scene in particular. That that first sort of group therapy session, you know, yeah. where that where that guy Harding, you know, is, is talking about his oh, wife. Harding. And 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 Harding I love is. Harding, in, don't you? I, I'm a Harding guy for sure. Yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah, I'm Team Harding total, too.
1: Yeah. T- t- total like there, <laughs> there, there, there's something very Dan Clowes about this movie to me, yeah, and it comes yes. it comes it comes alive in that scene too, where you really you know you're seeing seeing everything through McMurphy's eyes, and and you're seeing these guys these just these larger than life characters, and they're inhabiting mm-hmm. these characters so well, you know, each and every single one of them, and and you're really getting to know who they are and what their quirks are by the scene yeah. of Harding's wife and. Special shout out to my favorite uh, in uh, you know of this bunch. Uh, I'm a fucking Mr. Cheswick guy all the way, because there there are
0: elastic baby, sweet yeah.
1: I have Mr. Cheswick days, guys. I have days. I have Mr. Cheswick days. (laughs) Mr. Cheswick moments.
0: Hey,
3: you know I want my. There's a little Cheswick
0: here. in all of us. Yes, there yeah. is. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's yeah. why he's, the movie. I think that's part he's of. He's incredible. The people do connect with the characters. Yeah. Well, he he doesn't it's even great. seem
0: like you know who's good. You know, I I guess a shout out to whoever the hell did the casting. I don't know how uh. this worked, but these face, like there's the acting, yeah. but just the faces uh, alone. Oh, the faces Sidney are Elastic's incredible. Face, well, Sydney face is like seventy percent there. Like, yes. you go there just they looking at him. Yeah. But then his acting is I, fucking oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
3: well, well, one of the casting – I, um, I know, like, shout out to Fred Roos, you know, who was a producer on Godfather and a bunch right. of other movies. But he he uh, got Louise involved, you know. And mm. I, I'm, I'm assuming he got more. But, like, he is the guy that has the amazing casting track record. You know, the one off the top of my head is Outsiders, you know, where it's like, again, he picked mm-hmm. fucking – You know, just baller actor after actor. You know, it's like it's just another movie that's just stacked with before they were famous stars. So, Fred, in a slightly
0: different way, uh, you know. Uh, from well, let's, you know, there's pinups, <laughs> and then there's uh, the freak show of uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's a little. Well, different.
1: let's well, well, let's let, let's talk about Louis Fletcher just for a second. I mean, you know, obviously, yeah. obviously, uh, everything's been said about her and her performance. I mean, she won the Oscar for this, right? I mean, and um, and 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 she also, you know, I mean, she played this role so well that she got so much heat, you know, outside in the real world, you know, where people basically assumed this is who she was in real life. Um. But it is a stroke of genius in 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 terms of the casting and the way that she is portraying this character because any and I agree with this is the the most dangerous evil uh, like the most dangerous evil in a movie is somebody who believes they are doing good you know and that's yeah. the scariest shit and she she inhabits that so well in this and uh, one thing I thought that was pretty fucking crazy uh, about. You know, pr- her preparation for this movie is that you know, her and Jack spent a lot of time in uh, that you know real hospital, like we were talking about, and I think touring other hospitals as well. And her and Jack, they made them both witness electroshock therapy for real. You know, and one of the Who main did yeah.
0: what uh, Foreman, recommended the producers. The producers- yeah, producers, okay. director, okay. whoever,
1: the people involved. And um okay. and she and she's kinda like, I don't want to do this. Why do I have to see this? Well it's like you have to understand, you know, what your character is um you know gonna be dishing out, <laughs> you know, what the consequences are, you wow. know. Um that's and, harsh. and and is harsh. And but but I mean, man, like intense yeah. man.
3: Yeah. It's an incredible perform- it doesn't even seem like she's acting. I mean that's the that's the real well, next thing I it. Just, like,
0: say, just my only thing is um there's one great benefit of casting her in that there's no baggage. It's not like Faye Dunaway, meaning you've never seen her before. You know, when she broke out, she's an unknown actress, so she could live and embody Nurse Fletcher because you don't have any other context for her. And that was really helpful, I think. You know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe a typecaster, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh,
3: definitely. Yeah. Uh, I was watching her Oscar acceptance speech today, you know, and uh, it was pretty cool. Like she, uh, she was like
2: well it looks like you all hated me so much (laughs) that you've given me this award for it and I'm loving every minute of it and all I can say is I've, I've loved being hated by you
3: you you must really hate me to give me this award, and I'm so glad that you all hate me so much. You know because they hate oh, the character, right? Yeah, no, right? She's, she's such a detestable character. And right. then she says, uh, she's like thanks her parents, but she does it all in sign language because I guess mm-hmm. her her mom, both of her parents are deaf. Right,
0: oh, sort wow. of that. right. right. That's wow. kind of a famous moment in the Oscars. And uh, what I just have one observation, just getting into the character for a second. Is um, I've seen some criticism. I think, and this is my Pauline kale reference of the episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Pauline kale it. yeah, it's <laughs> inevitable. Pauline kale liked the film. Okay, she's a little wobbly on it. But one thing that got my mind thinking, and the, you know, I don't always agree with kale and that's the point. It's like she's stimulating to my mind about a film I might love, and she has a different take on it. Like she didn't like The Shining. It was an interesting read but she was saying that there's this kind of she didn't like the gross element of right from Kesey's book of this Oedipal mother like well not even edible but this mother hatred because if you do take a step back it's like you know she was saying sort of like Ken Kesey must have a real problem with his mother mm. and um for people who really hate their mothers like um I think it might resonate pretty strongly I don't happen to but, uh, so I can't relate to it directly. Like, you know, right. being honest, like men who hate their mothers, because that's a big thing. And I think that that is a huge part of this movie, forgetting, you know, abstracting everything. It's basically this evil bitch mother, and you're bucking her, and she's wrong. And I think it's reiterated too in, like, how she's steering Billy's mind in the therapy session. Mm. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Like,
0: she's being, she's the surrogate mother for Billy, you know, who has a problem with his own mother. So I just found that, like, it felt a little icky when I read Kale's take on it about how, like, um, there's this Freudian dark place that male psyches take when they have mother problems. I don't know. What do you guys think? Because well, I, I thought of it. Yeah. What do you think?
1: Isn't also that in the, in the, the book. She's the only real
0: woman character in the book. I'm sorry. Yeah. In, in everything. She's the only female really well, represented sorry there's also like, a
3: prostitute there's also oh, a prostitute in the movie well yeah. Yeah, I see no i know but I'm, 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 no no i'm no, just i'm saying i'm making that connection her. the mother and the whore you know what i'm saying like i'm i'm
2: yeah i'm saying yeah, that there's yeah. also
3: a misogynistic element there and then you know and then she's all, always uh, uh ratchet's also got her little toady with her all the time too the the girl that never speaks. i'm saying the big movie
0: principal movie. character you know like, uh, like but, I oh, no, but i'm saying completely i'm not criticizing
3: i'm 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 with you i'm saying that the, the female characters in the film are you know um there's a bit of misogyny to there and i, I know you're guy movie. zeroing in on yeah. on the yeah definitely well that's what he's trying to tell them all to do is just be a guy be a man you right. know a, a drink right fuck, you know like and, and uh, say fuck you to your you mother
0: know, you know, like, it's about yeah. like, it's about like males saying like, don't tell me. And also it's a hatred against right. like your wife. Like it's all like nagging moms, yeah. nagging mothers. And it's like, screw you. I'm right. going to ride my Harley and get drunk. Maybe I'll <laughs> even crash mom. You know, and it's just, yeah, it, right. It feels a little weird. It is very like, you
3: know? rebe- he, he frames that a lot too, the way that Nicholson, I mean, he's getting in trouble with like the head superintendent guy or whatever, you know, he's kind of like, He's kind of like a dog ate my her own homework or like I was a bad boy or whatever. You know, he's always yeah. saying like it's I mean, framed kind of like office. a school, like a schoolboy or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And uh, the only thing I wanted to add to that was just I think in the book, the nurse character is played very monstrous, very like, uh, like very um, uh, heightened, you know, like kind of almost like a dreamlike in terms of takes different cool, forms yeah. and shapes and sizes and yeah. stuff. And it's very surreal. So I guess, um, you know, like
0: yeah. I, it's I don't think it, it's it's fair to criticize Casey's right. take, but I think it's it's interesting. Yeah, to sure. Consider that easy. Casey's got a very big mother fixation hang up in a classic 40 sense, And I think that, you know, he can't help it. It's who he is and it's his personality. But it's a little it's a little gross. Sometimes I get a little grossed out by like like the real mother hatred of this film. You know, this mother is almost like matricide. It's to the point of a, almost a matricide. Mm, so,
3: yeah. 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 There'll be some things that, like, a modern audience wouldn't jive with, too. I think that, like, he's, like, a statutory rapist who's, like, the hero of the movie, you know, and he's, like, kind of being, like, yeah. openly racist to the chief, like, you know, by today's standard or whatever. So I'm, like, he's also the chief's best buddy or whatever, but I think there's oh. some things, like, that modern audiences oh. just along the lines of what you're saying would, would like, be uh, – would have issues with. Just speaking hey, of the, the chief, chief.
1: – just uh, speaking oh, of the please. Chief, just I, I'm seeing we're sub-10 minutes, and I got a couple things I want to get in before we...
0: Oh, we got uh, more guys. We, we got more characters. Yeah, yeah
1: I have a couple more characters before we yeah. ride off into the sunset. Obviously, Will Sampson, who plays uh, the Chief, who's awesome. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Ramey, too, because w- one of Ramey's best friends is uh, Chief's real-life granddaughter, so he has... Stop. Uh, swear. Oh, wow. Swear. <laughs> nah, so there's man. a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of well, actually... Ra- R- R- Ramey's done a documentary about will Sampson's son uh which is very interesting which we can link to this so she's got a lot of connection oh, to that family yeah cool.
0: so as well you know Super what cool. i have only i have one word to respond to that okay juicy fruit Ah. Uh, uh, juicy fruit
2: will you slice some bitch cheese Man, this
1: movie, this movie has some great fucking reveals in it. Like it has some great moments. Like 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 when you were talking about when when Jack realizes that you know these people are here voluntarily. When you Mm. realize that Chief is on the level.
0: Come on, that's movie. That's Hollywood. It's almost like a. It's almost like a, a mystery, like a plot twist, it's you know, so like in a well written, like thriller. It's like, uh, you know what I mean? it's like, fruit. like, because you don't see it coming. He didn't, and like, that's the thing. You're taking the ride with with McMurphy, and like, and yeah. then like you and him are like juicy fruit. God damn it! So this whole time, you were fully cogent. Yeah. You just decided like I'm not gonna fucking talk. I'll just push this broom around slowly, and everyone will leave me alone. And and mm-hmm. and but he's the soul of the film. He is getting back getting back to the incredible ending that is any of the other flaws i might feel for this film are 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 and yes. there's another shot i wanted jack nietzsche's score yeah oh that like weird slidey widely it's a saw thing. it's a singing song. saw you know it's like yeah Pfft. incredible i have no just, f- like,
3: problems with this movie but go on
0: no i got you well you know um <laughs>
3: None it, it, it fills you with such joy and elation watching the it. Ending. Those mo- those reveals, the the ending, the reveals, those moments fill you with. You're just in. It's it's just a great movie. Like you're just filled with joy and elation and you're just i don't know it just has a real magic where it can when kind i can pull you in and it's like it's almost well, hard to after, like get into the details of like why it works so well we're just talking right. about the backstory and great acting or whatever like it's, it's actors, hard to yeah. what is the mad, magic mixture that makes this but, movie but for me the ending so well
0: the ending it does a magical job where we were talking about what a downer it is for a long time in the penultimate parts of the film we're talking about you know almost matricide bloody torn up neck death suicide and then McMurphy, um, both getting hardcore, realistic-looking shock therapy and being suffocated ultimately by by Chief. But that ending, it like so dark. It, it's like your, your soul goes. No, but the very ending is yeah. like an indelible image, and it's so beautiful. Chief just running into the woods, man. And that really—that's yeah. some good boomer. And I again, I'm trying not to sound derogatory <laughs> when I say this. The term boomer, but what I mean is. It's a beautiful rendering of the hippie generation's idea of being freer and getting out of these closed, ugly rooms full of neurosis and just running and saying hello to Mother Nature and your true nature. It's beautiful.
1: I don't think that 70s Hollywood's done it better. That's all I'm going to say. To me, I think this is the pinnacle of 70s Hollywood for me. Um, I think it's 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 so perfect in so many ways. The performances, that ending moment, it really is incredible. Um,
3: if I it's can, it's timeless. I mean, there, it doesn't feel like yeah. seventy five. You would never be like, oh, this yeah. movie is no. on the nose nineteen seventy five. It feels good really call.
0: timeless. Yeah. Good call, yeah, yeah. That's why it doesn't even feel like it's set in any particular time. It feels like it's set in like the twentieth century.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, yeah. like so post war
0: generally. Oh, so quick! Uh, I had forgotten earlier we were rattling off people. Uh, Scatman Crothers is in this movie.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Hello. And what's really, I just want to be petty for one second and get into the weirdness of Jack Nicholson and Scatman and their journey together in film. (laughs) You're like, you might think, you might think that this is the premiere of those two guys being in the same movie, Scatman and, and Jack. And then they wind up in, of course, the shining, but they actually were both in, um, the King of Marvin gardens, Which is the follow-up to um it's a great movie uh, the the great follow-up to uh, five easy pieces the bob rifles film and uh scatman and jack are in that too and i've always wondered if i'm making this up maybe it's not true but i thought i've heard that um jack meets scatman during marvin gardens and goes you're awesome and they became like friends friendly and then he's like Oh, we're doing you know, Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, we got it. I, I know Scatman. I'm calling him. We're going to do this. And then he's like, uh, to Kubrick, he's like, Scatman Crothers, dude. You know, we got to get him. He's like my buddy. Like, I don't know if you guys have heard yeah. anything about that. I, th- I feel like they bonded. Uh, they just I don't they know. weren't coincidental in these films. Yeah. yeah no. The one
3: The one thing I heard was that Shelley Duvall was up for the role of can- – or, like, considered for the role of Candy. So she would have been in this and um, no. The Shining. Wow, yeah. interesting. now it's getting weird. Um, sorry, been,
1: <laughs> you guys are taking it. Yeah, over, you guys are you guys are taking it in other directions. I just wanted to. I've been trying to put a bow <laughs> on Will Sampson here for about five minutes. Oh, uh, god yeah, sorry, I I just wanted to also say, you know, that he's very he's also equally fascinating too because, you know, he's not an actor and he was sort of his involvement in this movie was basically on a sighting. You know, someone saw him and was like, Oh my god, this mm. is the character of this Indian that we need in this movie. And he's actually a painter by trade. He's a very fascinating, um, you know, amazing, you know, person to dig into. Further Wait, reading, sorry. Samson.
0: Like a, a He's a painter painter.
1: He's a painter, yeah. Yes, he's an artist. He's an artist. Yeah, so, um, yeah, fascinating, fascinating individual. Um, the one I want to get in, we've sort of talked about a little bit, but it ties into a few things I wanted to quickly get in before the hour's over, and I'm sure you're going to thank me, is Vincent Ciavelli uh, is, is is incredible in this movie. <laughs> Obviously, one of the great faces of, of film, um, yeah. but I just wanted to say one little detail that's buried in a much larger, amazing scene that I love in this movie. Okay, so the Juicy Fruits are great. Moment, but my favorite actual overall scene in this movie is when they hijack the bus and they go out and they charter the boat. Nothing is sure. better than that moment when Jack is talking to the dock oh, worker and he's like, say it. This is uh, the f- <laughs> famous Dr. Scanlon. Um, but you know, uh, r- yeah. rattling off all these as doctors is amazing. But my favorite little moment with, Vince, <laughs> with Mr. Vince, Harding, though, Mr. Harding, this is Mr. It's Harding, so yeah, Mr.
3: Harding, <laughs> Dr. Scanlon. Famous Doctor Scanlon, Mr. Harding, Doctor Bibbit Doctor Martini, and uh, Doctor Seafell. The famous Doctor <laughs> Scanlon, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, incredible. Um, is when Vincent Chiavelli takes
0: out the fish's eyeball. I knew you were going to say this because <laughs> I hate that scene. <laughs> That actually was so... That upset me more than anything when I was like nine years old. I was like, don't <laughs> do this. Oh, you're still doing it. Oh, we're lingering on this shot. And his face, like a moronic fascination. It's like, I can't. And Jack mentions away. it, too. Hang on. Yeah, look he takes, away. He takes Only out, kale brings it up, too, by the he way. He takes
1: out the fish's eyeball. <laughs> he sniffs it, and then he puts it back I put the in, the, in the eye socket. <laughs>
0: everybody.
1: It's amazing that that's in a movie. I'm kidding. It's too crazy. That's anyway. the Daniel Klaus aspect of this movie that I appreciate so much. Um, I knew you were going to bring it. Uh, good. I'm so glad. Anyway, um, but yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm glad we talked on um, Michael Berryman and everything else, but anything else you want to get in, Marcus?
3: Supposedly, Dan DeVito was in the off-Broadway play, too, so he's just like rehashing his character oh, wow. that he did in the play, he's, which makes he's sense. He's really...
0: It's hard to see Danny DeVito uh, and not just think, you know, Modern Times, the Taxi, and everything. But like, he really transforms as Martini. Yeah, like he's, yeah. High <laughs> spent and he's, he's so nicking. sweet.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, he's just. Want to, uh, I want to pick him up. I want to pick him up and hold him. You know. I know. Oh <laughs> <goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. What's but up like, like, with? I was tonight. I was realizing that Christopher Lloyd and Danny DeVito were both in this before they were on Taxi. taxi yeah, we talked
0: about that. Yeah, yeah. Like before we recorded, we talked
3: about that. Yeah.
0: Oh gosh, oh, okay. I forget sometimes, but yes. I don't know. I guess with we'll a minute, go for it, guys. Whatever you, whatever
3: you mean. I, I, well, I, I was curious. Like, oh, sorry, I just curious about like, why did they? Why did he leave? Why did why oh, why didn't he leave? Why didn't Jack? Oh, leave? that's the. He had the moment. That's
1: one of the one of those. Well, he great... wasn't allowed to. No, he fucked
3: no, no, it up. At the, no, no. At the end, he was gonna yeah. at the drunk night oh, party. Oh, yeah.
0: oh He's right, staring at right.
3: the window. And then forgot. he's like, he's supposed to leave, and he doesn't leave. And the next morning, he wakes up on the floor. So he got too he drunk and decision. passed out. I, th- yeah, I, th- I thought he
0: just got stupid and sloppy. Yeah, like oh shit, I, it's, I drank. Isn't one, it more days? of a
3: decision about his fate or something? You know, it's like more resounding.
0: I, I thought he just was a lazy fuck up drunk. I think it's. And... I think it's
1: a fail. I think it's a total fail. I think it's a. Uh, yeah, you know, like he is a loser, missed, and I think yeah. he
0: missed. The, yeah, he's a loser. Yeah, he missed the bust because he like. He missed the Post, window. You know, his alarm clock broke, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's my take on it. There's nothing very more than he just, uh, he's very, a sad sack. Kind of. Very tragic and,
1: and very frustrating. But yeah, I think that is what. That happened. ending,
0: it really is just like, like it's a punching, you know, a, a punching yeah. bag. You know, like you're like, oh my, because yeah. I, I forgot about that. The missed opportunity that he had. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah. You anyway. are really rooting for him when he's going after Ratchet, too. Yeah. You know, the power of this movie. <laughs>
0: yeah. And we didn't even talk about Jack Nicholson, really. <laughs> not really.
3: That's okay. People have talked not, about... People everybody talked knows about Jack. Him. Yeah.
0: Jack! How many people talk about the fish in the eye? <laughs> you know that it's that you know that movie with the uh, with the just, hook in the just eyeball. Evan and Pauline Kale. <laughs> yeah, she had yeah, Pauline didn't like it anyway. I a bit I, of
1: time. I also <laughs> didn't I also didn't get to talk about the guy in the wheelchair who comes up with his with his with his uh, cane and hits oh. the punching bag. Yes, that's a, that's I love him. Moment. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, all right, that was my one cheat. Okay. All right, everybody. That Cheat. was one. That was uh, one fucking hour on one flew over the
0: cuckoo's nest. One fucking nest. flew over the cuckoo's nest. One fucking no. cuckoo. Um, I'm
1: and, really glad uh, we
0: did that, and that we're back to form. I just want to say that, like, yeah. in the sense of uh, some of these innovations have been fun, and we've had guests and stuff, but this is a hardcore, old school one fucking hour episode, and it's and it's great. I really enjoyed yeah. it. You know, what yeah. I mean? just to go back to form.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, it was a blast. I had a blast talking about it. Good to revisit this movie. I, I watched it. I finished it just earlier today, and it's it's one of those nice. movies I I can watch it at any point in time.
0: Um, Thanks for the for the knowledge, man. I didn't know all kinds of things. Very interesting. But you guys, I, I shared the Leonard Nimoy connection. I that's hope you crazy. That.
1: That's crazy. Yeah,
0: we're gonna <laughs> have to psychotic. do visual. Let's put up some stills. I think there's a lot of like stills of him. Oh, we will. Uh, depicting Murphy we will that's, that's isn't crazy. it wrong can your head Cra- get
3: around <laughs> yeah. crazy We're wrong t- trivia he did a, he seemed to do a, he seemed to do a lot of things to try to break the Spock curse yeah. but nothing works well, like he had well, that you know song the, about hobbits and stuff well you know what like the name of tried. the auto-
0: well you know what the name of his autobiography was right Marcus in mm, the 70s no. uh, I am not Spock <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's this, I was gonna that's guess that it's a book yeah. about his life that's the title it's like <laughs> and you know what though he had a second autobiography, like uh, 25 years later or so, and that was called "I Am Spock."
2: Whoa!
1: So,
0: the <laughs> life journey of Leonard Nimoy. That's a, um wow. Of course. Yeah, was, uh, I was on
3: set with him once, and he did just radiate. Like everyone was just like fixated. You know? Oh, yeah, I was on the commercial with him once. It was nuts. Yeah,
0: Leonard Nimoy. That's cool. Son, that's a cool yeah. one.
1: That's a cool. That's, one. that's
0: a cool uh, meetup. You also <laughs> met Bob Dylan. He's met some people, man.
1: Wow. Look I at did, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Isn't that great? That's insane. Um, Guys, let me just uh, take a minute here to plug my uh, one floor of the Cuckoo's Nest portraits that I did last year, if you don't mind. Awesome.
3: <laughs> Here's my, my
0: my
1: my Mr. Yes, Cheswick.
0: My you need to make his... a tattoo. You need a tattoo of that.
1: I know. These are like my Russian prison tattoo uh, portraits of um, yeah. uh, the cast of the film. But uh you know, of course Ooh, you got wow. got your Schiavelli. It's,
0: Gotta have your Schiavelli. Yeah. Very
1: hard to draw. Good. It's a hard Those one to eyes.
0: draw. It's Mr. fucking um, Martini. Martini. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's he's it, it's he's the he's the MVP for me. Like, he is, uh, his he eyes, his squinting.
2: Yeah, it's you
3: know? he's so yeah, he's so endearing. Yeah. Yeah. He's the I best. don't know. I
0: don't know I, I don't agree with you on that one. We have a difference of opinion on that one. He's great hmm. too,
3: and it's,
0: Lloyd, it's Christopher fucking Lloyd, man. Yeah, unbelievable.
1: Nice. So, anyway, just wanted I thought I would like plug those.
0: You. That's awesome. Kay. You're selling them in the parking lot after the show, right?
1: I am. Yes. Ooh, th- th- they'd actually make great T-shirts if we ever wanted to uh, make some uh, yeah. cuckoo no t Yeah. No, no I Yeah. No, I should have done Berryman. I should have done. That's Barryman. next. You'll do that. That's next. next. I will. I will. I got to work on some more, Mr. Harding. Mr. Harding. Mr.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Harding. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Uh, on onward and upward guys what's next week
1: let's do it let's um, let's talk about next week uh, getting back into it again back to back to the gems that we normally cover on this show we cover something that you know a major big film like one flew of the cuckoo's nest now let's talk about a real 70s gem here and this is definitely one of those so it's definitely a Tom favorite as well too right I know um, every
0: second <laughs> intimately you could, I could do a <laughs> trivia pursuit on the movie I know every second Every word. Um,
1: get ready. Spray bottle time for next week yeah, sorry. is going to be one fucking hour on over the edge. Starring of course, Matt Dillon.
0: What year is it? Tom 78. What is it? 70, 79, buddy. It's 79. another, we're going back to the, to the, um, I call it the one fucking hour gulch. <laughs> Of 1979 to 1982. Oh yeah, <laughs> like like is. our car, our car always winds up getting in that ditch. Like oh, we're stuck in the ditch again. So here we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah,
1: of course. Directed by Jonathan Kaplan. Uh, you know, who's done some interesting flicks. I'm sure we'll talk about some of his other work. Yeah, I, there's definitely a couple I I definitely dig uh, that we'll that we'll talk about. So yeah, that's a um, cool.
0: Good
1: call. Over the edge next week. I'm very excited.
3: Uh, d- and then and then the next week's gonna be over the hedge, I think, right? Yes. Well the, definitely. Uh... yeah, we'll do that. We'll yeah. keep, we'll keep this. theme week over rolling. now. Yeah, over. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. I Ooh. We do, I'm st- over I'm kinda rainbow. bummed we're not over doing the a rainbow
0: for Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah I'm bummed that we're not <laughs> doing a,
3: a- <laughs> I'm bummed that we're not doing two a movie with the word two in the title, you know, for the next one. Oh. And just go you know, uh, order and order one flu <laughs> of the cuckoo's
0: nest and two oh. Caddyshack two, done. <laughs> right, let's change the uh, let's change i do two that, that yeah. that'd
1: be a fun run at some point M- maybe we should try and... let's
0: do caddyshack too sometime oh, yeah, that, well I, we're well you know we're talking day. about these top tens that you know everybody seems to love uh maybe we'll do uh, worst twos. <laughs> worst know? twos or, or, be, or no, best the terrible twos, twos. <laughs> no, the terrible two, twos terrible twos <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny that I, I actually yeah, i can't I, wait <laughs> I like terrible twos. The Sting 2. There's a a sequel to The Sting. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, uh, Very excited to get back on track here. Wrap this up. One fucking hour on Cuckoo. Let's wrap it up.
0: Let's put the let's put the fish hook through the eyeball and finish this episode, right? <laughs>
1: Sniff that shit and stick it back in. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. We are, we are uh, going to be doing one fucking hour over the edge. Get your pre-watch in. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And remember to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel if you like it. And uh, tell your friends. Uh, we're starting to pick up some of that more steam, so definitely spread the good word. and. Mm-hmm. um
0: Don't forget to uh, spay and neuter your pets.
1: Yes, do that as well, too. All right, everybody. uh, We can't let you go, of course. I'm very excited to what this is going to be. We can't leave you without your moment of zen. All right, everybody. Thank you and good night. Have a great rest of your week. Goodbye.
3: Uh, ma'am?
2: Sit down, Mr. McMurphy.
3: That man, uh.
2: Sit down. Will you please sit down, Mr. McMurphy?
0: Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef! <laughs>
2: Wicked, man.